Bienvenidos al Estadio Fantasy Podcast. Yo soy Mauricio Gutiérrez, analista de Fantasy Fútbol, recién casi desempacado de la Fantasy Fútbol Expo. Y el día de hoy tengo un gran, gran invitado. Tengo a Matt Donnelly de Fantasy Vipers, también miembro de la familia de Fantasy Points. Matt, how are you, man? Welcome to the Stadio Fantasy Podcast. I already miss you. Hola, Mauricio. How are you doing? <laughs> Love that introduction. Tired? Probably you are tired as well. It was a, an amazing weekend that we just had. Yeah, tired. We slept like not much, but we had a blast, right? Yeah, it was a good time. And there's no better way to close out the expo than the way we closed it out there. The little karaoke going <laughs> yeah. down at Jose's Landing in Canton, Ohio. And hey, hats off to Scott Angle. The dude has energy, man. The guy's like, I don't know how old he is. I'm not going to put an age out there. Yeah. The dude is busting out Walk This Way and Vanilla Ice is Ice Ice Baby <laughs> in front of a packed house. I mean, I wish I had that kind of energy. Me too, man. Actually... Uh, me and my wife were debating on going or not to, to Jose's Landing because we were really tired and like we had, uh, I didn't slept a uh, thing on, on Saturday night. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I want to go, but not. And then Scott arrives us and was like, what are you guys talking about? And we are deciding, we are debating in going or, go, or not going. And he was like, I'm stopping right now to debate. You are going. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was, it was definitely fun. worth it, right? Definitely yeah. worth it out there. I mean, oh, what yeah. it was just the perfect way to end that entire weekend. That started back on the Friday. The energy throughout the whole week. I mean, if you've never been to this fantasy football expo, if you're listening to the show right now, find a way to get to Canton next August 11th, 12th, whatever that weekend is. I think the dates have already been set. I mean, you had 700 people in there. I don't mean, I mean, it was a friendly environment. I don't yeah. think I've been hugged that many times by <laughs> other men yeah. in my entire life. Yeah, probably some, some kisses at the cheeks and, and some stuff. It was all love, all, the great community together. The panels were great on, on, on Sunday. Saturday, we had a blast on our drafts at the Tom Benson Stadium in the Hall of Fame. We are going to talk about King's Classic in a while. But yeah, like you said, if you are listening, you've got to be there in Canton next year from the 11th. I think it's going to be from the 11th to the 13th of August, 2023. And you may say, yeah, that's, well, the United States or, or the guys in, in the States are the ones that enjoy the most? Well, you are talking here with a Canadian and a Mexican. Yeah, no, we, we basically cover the entire uh, North America there on that appearance. But, I mean, it's not just about the football. It's about that camaraderie that came down. Yeah. There was other things to do outside of football. We had a cornhole tournament going down on the Friday night. And it wasn't just in order. You couldn't pick your teams. It was like luck of the draw who you got with. So you may have been paired up with someone you've never met before, which I think is a fantastic addition to that whole thing. You can't really sandbag your team. You can't really stack it, so to speak. It's just two people who've never met. And then you're kind of forced to um, come together. And then, of yeah. course, on the Saturday, you had the flag football. You had the quarterback skills competition. You had these after parties going on. So 
so many th- and I'm hurting still from the, the, the QB act competition, man. <laughs> I, I don't walk. I don't run a whole heck of a lot anymore, but I mean, it was worth it. It was all worth it. It was all said and done. I, I missed all the, all the athletic things on Saturday because we went to the hotel for, for it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I took a nap because I was in so much need of a nap, but uh, I'm going to be sure that next year I don't miss anything. Did you participate in the cornhole tournament? No, I did not nope? participate okay. in the cornhole tournament there. No, yeah, I, I mean, some I, of our, fr- our friends who were fantasy points, they were in there. Tom Rowley, he was lighting it up. We had a few guys there. The, the swag man, he was in on it too. I'm trying to get Bob, and I'm sure a lot of people down in Mexico would appreciate this. I'm trying to get like bull poker or some sort of bull riding kind of thing thrown into this thing. Could you manage a bunch of us here at Canton doing like a mechanical bull? Yeah. Would that not be fun? Would right. that not just kind of add to the atmosphere? I mean, Jose's Landing needs one of those in the front yard. I mean, let's be honest. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. That was amazing. Probably we should do an, archer, an alternate draft in Jose's Landing. <laughs> After you, you sing a song, you can t- you make a pick in the first round. That's it. You, that's how you determine your draft order. It's like America's got talent yeah. there. Right. No, that's going to be a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could, you're probably you and me. I'm going to, we're going to be dropped in the seventh or eighth spot if that's the way we are going to decide our, our drafts. Yeah. Totally. So speaking about drafts, we have the, the King's Classic International, uh, Blanda Division, the Oled Dawson Division. Sorry. First, I want to talk about the snake. The second you knew you have the 11th pick, Matt, you had an idea of what you wanted to do or you wait until the draft got you what what it was there? You went with Joe Mixon. Yeah, so first off, Joe Mixon is my back end of the first target every single draft I get to. We're going to get to my guys a little bit later. Joe Mixon is one of those guys. I'll go into more depth than that a little bit later. But when you're talking about a 14-team league, it's different than the 12 because you're almost forced, if you have a guy there, to reach for him maybe a little bit sooner than maybe you would kind of like, right? Let's be honest. You're not. You're like, okay, I'm not going to get him. Joe Mixon's value has him kind of in the back end of the first, early in the second. But in a 14-team league, that's right where he is. Pick 111, like you said, is back end of the first, pretty much the start of the second. I don't think I could have started off this draft any better than I did. I went with Joe Mixon. I followed that up with Alvin Kamara, who now we're hearing, and like I, I anticipated there, talking to our friend Drew Davenport. I had right. him on the show a little bit earlier. We did the Metropolis SFB division. I talked to him about Alvin Kamara's situation. And he's been saying all along that there's a good chance that he won't even see a suspension this year and that he will play the full season. So for me to get Alvin Kamara in the second in a 14-team league basically says, you are now set at the running back position. Totally. In this league, we've only just start two running backs. We uh, have three wide receivers, and we flex everything else. So for me to get <laughs> Mixon, it will, oh yeah, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> but Joe Mixon and Elvin Kamara was a perfect one-two combination to start with. Now I could have gone at the wide receiver somewhere there along the way, but Kamara gives me that PPR ability. Joe Mixon gives me that PPR ability. That scoring that I value so much in the running back position, so I just couldn't turn down Kamara where I got him. Yeah, I, actually, I love that start. Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara, both running backs with top eight potential, out of volume and out of talent, and out of well, most in case of Mixon because of his offense, 
And Kamara, yeah, some question marks, marks around the Cincinnati, the, uh, sorry, the New Orleans Saints offense. But we know what Alvin Kamara can bring to the table and his talent and, and he could be one of the steals at this price. And then, yo, go, go ahead, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, for me, Joe Mixon, I, I may be a little higher on him than most people. I actually had him ranked as my number two running back. This what? Year, really? Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. I'm that big on it. We talk about those nice. changes here. You know what? I'm going to jump ahead to what we're supposed to talk about later on the show because now you got me all fired up. Those offensive line additions in Cincinnati are huge. Yep. Cincinnati goes from one of the worst offensive lines last year to probably one of the top four or five this season. When you add Lyle Collins, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, all there to protect Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times last season. When you take that out of the equation, he's not getting sacked 50 times. Basically, that's 50 times that Joe Mixon did not have a chance to get the ball, right? That's right. how we're looking at it. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get all 50 of those, but there's opportunity for Joe Mixon to get even more touches. If you're not getting sacked and get on third down, getting a sack, you're done. You get a first down now on third down. Now you've got four, three or four more plays to work with, which right, now yeah. gives you more opportunity for Joe Mixon. So I think there's going to be more opportunity for Joe Mixon, who's only 25 years old, believe it or not. I mean, it seems like Joe Mixon's been in this league forever. 25 years of age. hes I would not be surprised if he gets anywhere between 280 and 300 carries this wow. season and still is involved in the passing game to 50 targets or so, which to me, huge fantasy implications right there. Matt, All it, adds up to a top two running it, back. Of course, man. The, the, the upside is it's huge with that projections. And, and we had talked about this at the expo. You surely had got an extra hawk from me. Because I don't know if you know, but I have hyped Joe Mixon for two years now. And everyone is like, no, he's a boss. No, he doesn't. Even uh, he, can't, he can't do it and all that stuff. And actually, my, my audience, the hype was so big that my audience... Put me the nickname Maurixson. <laughs> and rightfully so. Yeah, totally. And now we have Joe Mixon and Matt has it at number two. It's amazing to me. Probably yeah, he's my running back six in rankings, but I love him. And and the upside, I, I just see it as well. Then after well, you look at this, sorry, yeah, go ahead, no, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Please. You look at this running back position here, if whether it's stat or whether it's PPR, you got Jonathan Taylor who's going to be a staple of the position. Austin Eckler, last season, is this what to expect from Austin Eckler moving forward? I hope so. But it, right now, it stands out as the anomaly if you look at the other seasons in his Especially touchdown. His I think touchdown regression is going to be big. Christian McCaffrey, number one running back, without a doubt, when healthy. However, we haven't seen that. Delvin Cook has shoulder problems. He's one big hit away from being out several weeks. Najee Harris. Najee Harris had like 391 touches last season, and he was only like the RB6. So when people tell me that Najee Harris is their number two running back, I'm like, <laughs> what's he going to get, 450 touches? Harris is a volume play. I get yeah. He's going to be a top 10 running back. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. But to put him up there as a number two, he's not going to see more than 400 touches again this season. It's not going to happen. So we got to bring him down. He wasn't efficient at all last year. And like having Ren Roethlisberger, now having Kenny Pickett or uh, Mason Rudolph, that would be all messed up. 
or Mitch Trubisky. I don't see them either. And then Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry lost A.J. Brown. Derrick Henry has five screws in his foot. Derrick Henry saw a 25% stack boxes last year with A.J. Brown on that team. It's not going to get better. And it's the offensive really line not. is worse. It is. So yeah. there's a lot of question marks in this running back room. There's a lot That's- of talent. Anyone can finish anywhere here. We saw the war- running back position is more of a war of attrition than any yeah. other position out there. That's why we always talk smack about Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery every year. That's why they're <laughs> always RB23, RB24 every right. year. But when the dust all settles, somehow, some way, both Jacobs and David Montgomery are sitting there at RB10 to RB12 every single year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, totally. And, and, and that thing that all the questions that you just spoke about are making that more fantasy players are watching the wide receiver position in the 103, in the 104, in the 105, and going with Jamar Chase, with Justin Jefferson, because what could go wrong? Yeah, obviously, an injury away, everyone players say injury away of not producing, but they feel like... Much safer, right? Absolutely, it feels like you got more upside, especially when you look at guys at like Cooper Cup. We know yeah. Cooper Cup's going to be Justin Jefferson. Believe it or not, could actually be better this season than last season with Kevin O'Connell coming over. Yeah. Cooper Cup had 191 targets with Kevin O'Connell last season. What is Justin Jefferson going to do? Is he going <laughs> to hit 200 targets this season? Like seriously? Probably, yeah. Probably he's going to explode and have an historic year. Then after you you took two running backs, obviously you have to, to put uh, your targets on the wide receiver position. And you went Terry McLaurin, Darrell Mooney, Christian Kirk, and Elijah Moore. Love those wide receivers because almost, well, for Darrell Mooney, there's some hype in, in the industry. For Terry McLaurin, I don't see any hype at all. And for me, it's crazy to think that he's going to play with the best QB he has in his entire NFL career. Right. It's true. I mean, we can't argue with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions last season. The numbers were there. The Indianapolis Colts, they don't pass the ball. I mean, that's just what they – they have Jonathan Taylor. Why would you risk throwing the ball? This year, I think they're going to open up a little bit more with Matt Ryan. I think he's earned that little bit of respect. Now, to be honest, I can't remember exactly where you picked, if you were ahead of me or behind me. I but was – you, you were 11 and I was 14. I had the last pick. So, for me here – At that number three, so that third round selection where I went Terry McLaren, it was really down to two, three people. I had it really down to three people. Terry McLaren, Darnell Mooney, and Brandon Cooks was in that conversation. I got Brandon Because Cooks. when we, again, one of my guys, I'll go in depth a little bit later with Brandon Cooks. Darnell Mooney is another one of my guys. Terry McLaren just felt like I know he's going to be the number one wide receiver there. There's talent surrounding this offense. Carson Wentz can get the production done. I'm not too sure. He seemed like a better name to go out there. So I was really torn between those three wide receivers. I'm glad on the one that came back around, even though you grabbed Darna, um, excuse me, even though you grabbed Brandon Cooks, yeah. Darnell Mooney was still there. Now, I remember last year writing for Bob Harris in the pro forecast, and I did a little piece on Darnell Mooney because he was going in the 12th round a lot of drafts. I'm like, this is my guy. Yeah. You guys have to know who Darnell Mooney is. This is an absolute steal of the draft. Turns out, even a blind squirrel's right uh, gets the nut every once in a while, and a broken clock's right twice a day. I was right on Darnell Mooney. I'm kind of proud of that. And this year, the Darnell Mooney to the moon because yeah. 
There's nothing else there. Justin Fields, all indications right now through camp, Justin Fields looks like he's taking that next step. Now that's we don't know that for sure yet until you get on the field when the when everything's going live and teams are really going after it. But you look at what he did last season. I'm not worried about Allen Robinson not being there because Darnell Mooney actually his production increased without Robinson there. So I'm not worried about Darnell Mooney being the number one wide receiver in Chicago because he's always been the number one receiver in Chicago. As for Christian Kirk, another guy who's going to see 130 plus targets. This is a PPR league, right? Yeah, We're talking right. PPR. I got two guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield. And then I follow that up with three solid guys that are borderline wide receiver ones, easily wide receiver twos. And I think guys like Mooney, McLaren, Brandon Cooks are all guys who could creep into that top 12 when the season's all said and done, especially in PPR. Elijah Moore, we know what he's capable of doing. He's actually better than with Joe Flacco than he is with Zach Wilson. So this is Zach Wilson is <laughs> might actually benefit Elijah Moore down the road. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. Yeah, yeah. Elijah Moore is a stud man. He's a stud. When when you average two yards per route run, two yards per route run, you know how good that is. If you get yourself anywhere near eighty receptions, you're going to be well over one thousand yards on the season. He is that dynamic. And then the weapons around him in the Jets. I know lots of people say, avoid the Jets, avoid the Jets. You've got Garrett Wilson. You've got Elijah Moore. You've got Corey Davis, who a lot of people are forgetting about. He's still pretty good on the outside. Brees Hall, Michael Carter. Conklin's there. CJ is almost there. There are some good pieces on this offense for the Jets, except the quarterback position is still a little up in the air. Yeah, but if Zach Wilson is healthy and can do that uh, second-year leap, this offense is going to be good. Not, not a little, but good. Yeah, yeah, of course. Then in the seventh round, this is what you got me mad, man. I know. It was, it was maybe the highlight of my draft, watching your face and your soul just leave your body on this selection. I, I, I haven't talked with of this about with anyone, probably. Jim Coventry took me again this year to the Hall of Fame in the morning, and we were discussing what was his strategy and was like, man, I love Chase Edmonds the year. And I was like, I won in both leagues. Chase Edmonds, I really love his upside in this offense. His, his versatile, he's going to be the first. He's the most paid running back in that roster. You know, all that stuff. And then watching Chase Edmonds, like, went to you. Two picks. Oh, man. Two picks away of, of getting him. Ah, it was terrible, but... So, yeah, you didn't even end up with Chase Edmonds at all this weekend. No, at all. When you went there. So, the no fun Chase thing about Edmonds. the snake draft coming after the auction draft is you can see who people love. If you're paying attention to the room, because it's the auction draft and then it's the snake draft. So, when you start to see people bid up certain players, you're like, okay, all right, Marie, so he likes himself a little Chase Edmonds. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know where you are in the draft. So, I pick 11, you pick 14. I know I'm picking before you. I'm like, this is kind of the range that Chase Edmonds is in. I know Edmonds is not making it back to me here in the, what is that, seventh round? Sixth round? It was seventh, seventh round. round. Seventh round, yeah. So there's no way if I pass him no. here, I'm getting him in the eighth round. It's not going to happen. You get two shots at him. There's no chance for me to get him. So this is where I knew I had to make that play. Knowing that you liked him through the auction draft, which is, you know, it's, it's one of those things that some people pay attention to, some people don't. Yeah. Luckily for us, I mean, we were kind of an interesting draft because half of us were in the draft room. So we could read each other. The other right. half were on the computers watching some soccer game 
and cheering for Brentford. <laughs> so shout out to yeah. Brentford. Or try, trying to pick a plane in, in, in Hungary or something, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's tougher. That's why I love the Brown division, the Blinder division, because you get to see who Everyone. people kind of actually like. Yeah, we know who they like, who they say they like on Twitter. I mean, that's out there easy enough. But when you get into an auction draft, then you can feel how much they truly value said player. So and when we talk about these auction prices, like Justin Jefferson, $69. Yeah. Well, I know for a fact, if the guy who bought him for, who got him for $69 in our auction draft is picking behind me, I'm not going to get him. So I got to get of him course. when I get him. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and even if, if you in, in, in your home leagues, you don't have two the auction and, and the, the snake, you have to pay attention to those details. What your league is doing past or what have done in past years can do it can give you information to have an advantage. You have you have to be that like all that info man got you to championships. That's the way you draft. That's the way you get advantages. Well, we talked about Drew Davenport there, Mauricio, and then we talked about how the auction and poker are very similar. Yep. You have to read a person and how they're holding those cards because how they hold them, how they tip them, it's going to tell you a lot about what their next play is going to be. Yeah. And even if they win I, that auction bid, sorry, for, Mauricio, I, I'm bad for, for the home league. Like I, I have in my, in my home league, my first fantasy football leagues with friends, I know for a fact that uh, a friend that I know him that – He's going to take a QB early. Every year is the same thing. And you have detected and you have, you know how he's drafting. You know he's going for two running backs because he's so classic. He, you know, that's that type of things, that type of information. If you can grab it and use it for your advantage, it's, it's amazing. And here well, we have the advantage to have auction and then snake and get to know how we draft. Well, that was it. Remember Mike Hoff there in the early on with Trey Lance for $14. Trey yeah. Lance went for $14. So I got Joe Burrow for $8 when it comes down to the auction. <laughs> but we all knew, and I said this in the room, I said, you just guys guys keep bidding on Trey Lance because Michael Hoff, he's a huge 49ers fan. He yeah. is not going to let anyone get him. And sure enough, this went to $14. I was like, ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait. That's the way you get someone to spend his money. Yeah, you got to be careful when it comes to price enforcing because it does kind of bite you in the backside every once yeah. in a while. But, I mean, it was kind of funny when that happened, especially at the beginning of the draft when people have that currency to use. I mean, they're going to right. use it. Then after the seventh, we chase Edmonds. I'm never going to forget this. Uh, we are, uh, we, you went with uh, Dak Prescott and Cole Hammett. You grab your QB and your tight end. Nicely done. I love both. Do you think Dak Prescott had, doesn't have – that upside because of Amari Cooper leaving? Or, or you think the Seed Lamb is going to be like a rocket and, and absorb all this, those targets? And Dalton shoots that we saw that he can be productive. Dak Prescott feels for, for you like a safe top eight, or you see upside more than that? I think he's got upside to be top five. I really do. But he wasn't my target. I, I wanted Joe Burrow. Because we did the auction, like I said, right before yep. that. And there's nothing worse than not having a little continuity between your rosters when it comes to these type of leagues. Because you are definitely, you're playing two leagues the same time, the same week. And you could be playing one guy on your team and playing against him in the other league. And it, there's nothing worse than kind of cheering for the same guy and, root, and cheering against him. So I really wanted to add Joe Burrow. So I tried to get some guys 
on both my rosters that were the very similar type players. But Joe Burrow was my target there. He went right before. I was like, well, you know what? Dak's not a bad yeah. consolation prize because we seen prior to his injury two seasons ago how good he was. I mean, there was no one better than Dak Prescott. Now he had Amari Cooper and he had some other weapons there as well. But when it comes to this Cowboys offense, you've still got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, who I think is underrated this season. I mean, it seems like we're sleeping on Ezekiel Elliott. I think that'd be a mistake because I think he's going to finish top five in rushing yards. Not not fantasy points, but in rushing yeah. yards. I think he's going to be right there. C.D. Lamb is going to be in the top five, in my opinion, when it comes to receptions, targets, receiving yards, maybe touchdowns, maybe not. Dalton Schultz is still a very solid volume type play. Reminds me a lot of Jason Witten. Nothing, nothing sexy about him out there. I mean, it's Dalton Schultz. You, when your name's Dalton, there's no real sex appeal to that. Is there? It really there isn't. But he can get the job done. He's going to be a volume play all the time. Jalen Tolbert, love him. Michael Gallup is coming a little bit later on this season. He's got to recover from that uh, ACL injury that he suffered late last season. So it's going to be a while before we see Gallup on the field and being productive, which means Tolbert's going to have a good opportunity to steal that job. But the, the thing is here, Tony Pollard is going to have a huge role in this passing game for this Dallas Cowboys team because he's going to line up in the slot and, and absolutely create mismatches all over the field, which all benefit Dak Prescott when it's all said and done. All right. Then after Cole Kemet, do you think probably he's going to be top 10, right? I, I think he's going to be top 10. I think his targets are going to be there. I mean, dude, dude got absolutely a screwed job. There's a Montreal screwed job. Remember Brett Hart getting screwed over by Brett, uh, Sean Michaels? Yeah. Well, Cole Kemet was screwed over by Jesper Horstead, Jimmy Graham, and the outlaw Jesse James. <laughs> Those guys had six touchdowns combined last season. Kemet had right. zero. That is wow. not going to happen this season. How come we... We spoke about the Miles Sanders regression touchdown because he uh, he scored zero touchdowns. And why we don't speak about the Cole Komet regression touchdown? Because he scored uh, zero touchdowns. I, I, we must just take Cole Komet out there in general. I mean, I'm really high on him. Yeah. I have him as like tight end nine this season. So nice. I really think he's got easy, easily going to be a top ten player. Then in 10th round, you went with some of the one of the hottest wide receivers in the offseason, Isaiah McKenzie. Then your classic wide receivers and running backs, the rookies that you always love to draft. You went Wendell Robinson, Rashad White, Jameson Williams. And I got David Bell a little bit late, but we'll get yeah, to him in course. a second too. Yeah, so we got, we, got, we got at least four rookies on all my teams here. <laughs> but I, the Isaiah McKenzie, if, the, if the Isaiah McKenzie pans out a la Cole Beasley, I mean, we know this slot is very productive in Buffalo. It has been for years. I'm not going to lie. Isaiah McKenzie, he's going to beat out Jameson Crowder, but he was an absolute accident of a selection. I was sitting there, and you, okay, here's the difference. When you're going live, you have time to kind of find who you want, scroll through your list before you make your selection. Here, I mean, you got time. That's the key here. We're on a timer, which is completely different. So I'm right. sitting there. I'm getting my queue ready. I'm picking guys for my queue. So I'm grabbing guys, putting them up there. I'm getting to Isaiah McKenzie here, and I'm about to hit the Q button. Turns out two people already drafted. So instead of the Q button being hit, I hit the draft, the draft button. Because you know, if you're not if you're not on the clock, the draft button doesn't show up. Your Q button turns into your draft button. So Isaiah right. McKenzie was an accident. I was trying to go with Pat Fairmuth there to get make sure I had that tight end position solidified. Now saying that Isaiah McKenzie 
not a terrible selection. I was a little disappointed at first. I remember my reaction. I'm like, oh, that's not yeah. who I wanted. <laughs> yeah, come up. Right. You know what? So Wondell Robinson was – I had rank at that area there. I had Fairmouth, Robinson, and Isaiah McKenzie was right in there as well. Those guys, I was hoping to come back in the next round again. So Fairmouth obviously went after Isaiah McKenzie. So that left me with Wondell Robinson, who's going to be that starting slot – in New York this season. Everything we're hearing out of camp is this kid is an absolute freak of nature on the field. And we should know that. If you've been following his career at Nebraska, at Kentucky, this kid lined up everywhere. Backfield, slot, outside. I think he even took some reps at quarterback. I mean, wherever he was want, wherever coaches wanted him to play, he was more than willing to play. And then Rashad White. Leonard Fournette is still there. I get it. I, I think Leonard Fournette is still a top 24 running back this season one way or the other. But I think Rashad White is going to give you some huge value. He is going to be that number two. He's going to be that passing catcher in Tampa Bay. Sorry, Giovanni Bernard. Sorry, Keyshawn Vaughn. And anyone who actually believed in Keyshawn Vaughn way back when. <laughs> Bigger, stronger, faster, better hands. Keyshawn Vaughn believer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that, man. I'm really yeah. sorry. But Thanks. everything that you think these guys can do, Rashad White does it better. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure he does Leonard Fournette's job better. But Fournette has that Tom Brady stamp of approval. And I think that's the difference early on in the season, at least for 2022. And then we followed up with Jamison Williams. I got him in both drafts. Again, that continuity between the two rosters. And here's the kicker. We can put four guys on IR. So I'm going to pull my best Jock Peterson type impression here. And I'm going to grab Jamison Williams. I'm going to stash him on my IR. I'm going to grab a guy who's perfectly healthy, plug him in there right off the get-go, and see how it pans out. Because we know in 14-team leagues, the waiver wire, there is nothing there. So if you can get a guy that you think could be productive, Maybe a guy who's on your target for the last round selection, but you got someone else. That's who I'm looking to add here. Maybe a productive guy who could take off early on the season. That's what I'm going to be targeting here once I move Williams onto that IR position. Yeah, if your leagues have IR position, you have to draft Jameson Williams in the last rounds, put it hit, put it there, and then hit the waiver wire. That's really, really smart to do. You can wait to Jameson Williams to recover, and when he's healthy, he's going to produce because he's – a very, very, very talented wide receiver. Then you took your uh, second tight end, your second QB, and David Bell to finish. Yeah, so just talk about this. Evan Ingram, our boy there at Cooper, he's a, kind of the tight end whisperer. He's been banging the drum for Evan Ingram all offseason. And you know what? At this point in the draft, someone had already taken Brevin Jordan from me. Brevin yeah. Jordan is my guy late in the draft. I think it was Jorge Edwards that took him from me. Probably, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Evan Ingram. I know, I know Evan Ingram can't catch. I know that I'm very. I know that's what's going to happen. But he could be second on this team in targets when it's all said and done. I mean, I think it's going. To, I think the pecking order ultimately in Jacksonville will be Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, and then Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. I think Marvin Jones kind of takes a step back. I think Lavisca Chanel takes that step back too, as Christian Kirk arrives there. Deshaun Watson, complete dart throw. We're in the whatever round we are in right at this point, six, 17th round. Three. Whatever. You don't have to like the player to roster them on your team. Yeah. I, I know for a fact, I'm going to have Dak Prescott till at least week nine. If we hear that Deshaun Watson suspension is anywhere between six and eight games per the NFL, then I feel good. If it's any longer then I'll just cut Watson, not a big deal. I'll just get rid of him. And David Bell is that guy kind of like, okay, you know what? If Watson's there, Bell's going to be there. Bell is that possession type wide receiver. He did it at Purdue. I like what I saw on tape. And again, I'm shooting for upside on this back end of the draft. I could go for guys, like I'm looking around, um, 
Rue there. He went with Jalen Guyton, Josh Reynolds. I have no desire for either one of those guys. Guyton, Palmer's the better option there. Josh Reynolds from Detroit, eh, not so much. No. Matt Breida, Jameson Grouder. These are guys that Murph grabbed here in that same range. I feel much better about David Bell and the upside that he brings. It doesn't mean he's going to meet it. We often see that that the the hype and everything does not mean, mean absolute productivity when it comes to these rookies, especially. But hey, when production and hype meet, I mean, woohoo! Yeah, yeah, let's get it on. Yeah, and I really like your your team, Matt. It's a really solid team. You have Isaiah McKenzie in the flex. That's your like your last uh, starter, and I really love also the bench. You have that there. I really really like it, and of course, it, it really is like most of my lineups. I mean, it's very balanced throughout. It's not right. too heavy one way or the other. I mean, that's it, it did turn out typically how I would normally draft a team. There was nothing special. Right. Maybe a little lighter on running back earlier than what I normally would, but I got two studs okay. in the first two rounds. So You're a that allowed back me to. I usually am. I'm a dinosaur. I'm old. I've been playing fantasy football forever. So you know <laughs> me. I'm that guy that's going to go running back, running back, maybe running back in the third. No, probably not. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and you went running back, running back for a start. I'm going to share my team also. Obviously, here, the, the idea is that Matt can share us his process and his thoughts on his uh, players. But I'm going to share. I, I will, I've already shared it in, in Twitter and my uh, social media. But I don't want to pass the opportunity to share here as well. I, I have the 14th pick. I didn't was like last year I had the 14th pick as well. And it was the Antonio Gibson pick. And it was like, oh, man. It could happen again. So uh, I went in the first round with DeAndre Swift. Then I took three wide receivers with Devante Adams, Brandon Cooks, and Marquise Brown. Three of them. Now, two of them, I really love them. I have some questions with Devante Adams, but I had to to take to, took, um, a, a top five wide receiver. Because if not... I have to wait a long turn to, to get my first wide receiver. And I, I, I really didn't want to do that. Then I went with QB and tight end. Normally I don't do both that early. Well, why'd you go, why'd you go quarterback so early, Mauricio? <laughs> oh, that's a, there's a legend there living in the fantasy football industry that the same guy that took Lamar Jackson in fifth round, it's a really down on QBs in the snake draft. Oh, sorry, in the auction draft. Yeah. We'll see right now. We, we, we talk about the, the auction, but yeah, I'm very thin at the position. So I learned my lesson and I was like, no, it's not going to happen again to me. And for me, Lamar Jackson has the upside to be the QB one. Actually, everyone that has read my, uh, Draft guide, the draft kit this year knows that one of my bold predictions is that Lamar Jackson is going to uh, break the record for most fantasy points for a QB in the history of the NFL. So I have to, uh, I, I took them there. I was really happy. Then in round six, I preferred to go to with Darwin Waller. Because for me, it was the best value there. And I went with best value. Then I took Ramondre Stevenson, a player that I really love this year. Then on eighth, Melvin Gordon. Then I went wide receivers with uh, Rondell Moore and Jalen Tolbert that we were speaking of him uh, 
just a second. In the 11th round, Albert Ogbegunem. I'm very high on him. I'm starting to get worried about his utilization in uh, preseason. What about you? Do you like Albert Ogbegunem? His profile is very efficient, but uh, there's things to worry about him also. Yeah, I, I choose to like ignore him completely, mostly because I don't know how to pronounce his name. So that right there, if you, if you don't pronounce, you can't pronounce a guy's name, you just don't draft him, right? It just makes things easier. Do you know how, how, how we, we, our nickname is Alberto. That's it. Yeah. It's Alberto over here. I mean, it's yeah. basically the same as Alberto. Same. Yeah. I, I mean, if I, if I hype him up on Twitter or anything, that means I actually have to say his name multiple times. <laughs> And I don't think since he's been drafted out of Missouri, I don't think I've said his name the same way twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hard name to pronounce. Yeah, totally. Then on round 12, I went with Brian Robinson. That now seems that it's going to be a thing in Washington. Man, I was so, also uh, Antonio Gibson through there. And now... Yeah, I get it. It hurts. Antonio Gibson is that guy. I think he's still going to be that guy to start the season. Now, I'm sitting here, and I'm a huge Alabama fan. I'm an Alabama truther through and through when it comes to that. That's my college team. I've watched Brian Robinson. This is a guy who can get the job done. He sat behind Najee Harris. He sat behind Josh Jacobs. He sat behind all these guys at Alabama, bided his time, and then cranked off the first like 300-yard game in Alabama Bowl history. That's how good Brian Robinson is. He is a thumper. He is everything that Antonio Gibson cannot do right now. I mean, you want a guy, If this is going to be key. This Washington Commanders offensive line has to get it right. They got some big, nasty guys, but they're not as talented as some other those offensive units out there. They lost Brian Sharif there to Miami, which is a huge, huge problem. If you don't get north and south on this team in the run game, you're going to find yourself in trouble. That is why Brian Robinson may end up with more touches than Antonio Gibson because yeah. I'm watching film on Antonio Gibson here right now. Remember, Don't be bearing Antonio Gibson. This is literally like his third year of playing running back in his career. He really didn't even play it in college. I mean, when he came to the NFL, that's basically when they converted him to a running back. And all he's done is produce the last two seasons over a thousand yards from scrimmage each of those years. But I mean, you watch him on this film. He's taking everything outside. He's going up and then he's bouncing it back out. Brian Robinson is not going to bounce it. He is going to run your arse right over. Man, uh, and all the reports about Antonio Gibson is really getting scary. Like, Sam Fortier tweeted, running man Antonio Gibson is playing the slot on punt block. Then, yep. he's getting work with the third string offense. And then, I, the defensive corner, Scott Turner, spoke about some fumbles, and then Antonio Gibson has to be, be had to be better hands and, and protect the football. Oh, man, it's going down. Now, south. Antonio Gibson has had a little bit of fumble issues. We This yeah. isn't the first time we've talked about it. Right. I think this is the coach's step. I don't think Antonio Gibson's lost his number one running back position. I yeah, think this is like, you know what? We're going to put your nose in the corner. You're going to put the dunce cap on right now. You're going to go feel shame. It's like wearing the cone of shame. You remember that? Like, pets like yeah, the cone right. of shame. Yeah. Cone of sh <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what uh, – or is that up? I don't, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's up with the cone of shame. But anyway – Right now, Antonio Gibson's wearing that coat of shape. It doesn't mean the Washington Commanders still don't love the kid, right? He's still going to get run with the ones. I mean, this is kind of like right. that demotion. Maybe light that fire under his backside here a little bit and see what Gibson comes back out here in week number two and week number three of the preseason.
Yeah. I mean, remember, we were just talking about Josh Jacobs being cut a yeah. couple weeks ago. There's people talking about Josh Jacobs getting cut. By the way, Josh <laughs> Jacobs is not getting cut. He's not getting cut. And if Antonio Gibson's ADP starts spiking a lot more, probably he's going to be a value, man. If you can get it like a running back 35, running back 38 in, in, your, in your draft, man, that could be a huge value. He was already a value. He was going in the sixth and seventh round. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting a guy of Antonio Gibson's abilities in the seventh round, now I'm not going to reach for him in the third, in the fourth round, where maybe he was at the end of last season, right? I mean, he was he, he kind of got up there, and he's kind of slowly been dropping ever since Brian Robinson was drafted, which has given right. you a bit of a dip. If he if he continues to dip, I'm buying the dip. Right, yeah. And then I finished my my draft with Kendrick Bourne, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, LaVisca Chenault, just because of the love to LaVisca Chenault. Uh, really, I don't know what to expect this year from him. And Samich Perrine. The reports are that Samich Perrine is actually the second behind Joe Mixon and not Chris Evans. So if anything happens to Joe Mixon, I could, we could we could spoke about a trade because you are the Joe Mixon owner. Yeah, and I think with Samich Perrine there, I think his uh, biggest thing is he's going to be the run between the tackles kind of guy. Chris Evans is going to be more of that pass-catching role. Combine, combine the two together, you might have half a Joe Mixon. Right. Then, Matt, we can pass to the auction draft. I really don't want to talk about this, but <laughs> of course we will talk about this. Probably we are not going to talk about our team's whole, but do you want to talk about something specific about the auction? Yeah, so I went into this auction with an absolute strategy here in place. Now, strategies and plans are great. Until someone in the auction punches you in the mouth. Then all bets are off. But I went in there. I came in with my rankings. I ranked all my guys. I assigned dollar values to each and every one of them. And then I went off and I assigned a dollar value to the positions as a whole. Here's what I'm spending on quarterback. Here's what I'll spend on wide receiver. $10 on quarterback. $40 on wide, uh, wide receiver. $40 on running back. $10 on tight end. That's kind of what I went into the plan with. And then I took that dollar. And I moved into one a little bit further. Here's what I'll spend on QB1. $8. QB2. $2. RB1, $30. RB2, $10. I kind of sorted that out that way. So I knew exactly where to cut myself off for the most part. And I followed that to a T. And we watched in this auction. So my goal right off the get-go, when we see some of these early bids go up, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson hit between $68 and $72. I'm like, you know what, boys? I'm going to sit back and watch the rest of you spend some money. And I think you tried to get in on a couple of those early, and then you kind of went back. So there's me, yeah. you, Ron Rigney. We all just kind of sat back and said, you know what? Let it go. So yeah. we, I'm not a guy who values a high-end, heavy, top-end, heavy roster. Some yeah. people, and that works for some people, but for me, it doesn't give you the depth. And in a 14-team league, here's the key. 12-team, go ahead. Spend that money. Go heavy. 14-team league, you're going to need that depth. It, you're going to need it as the season goes on. There's going to be so many injuries. And like we've talked about, there's nothing on the waiver wire. So if you lose nothing. one of your heavy hitters at the beginning of the season, you are going to be in trouble. So for me, it was try and keep everything within reason. Now, I overpaid for A.J. Brown. I had a value of $40 to spend on this position here. I had so much I was assigning to the wide receiver one on my team. I went over it. I, I think I think forty dollars is what I had uh, assigned yeah. to my wide receiver one. Uh, for, if, I, what, if you went, if you were willing to 
pay forty dollars and you pay forty six, it's not that much. Yeah, so like I said, I mean, really, when I I was going to spend eighty on wide receivers in my positions, and forty was what I was going to spend on wide receiver one. I went for forty six. That said, once I hit for forty six, I put a little minus six in the column, letting me know that I need to make up six dollars in value somewhere else, based right. on what my chart is and how my roster construction was going to look like. That's so then we saw yeah. these running backs go off. The running backs they went nuts for price. So I'm here. I'm a kid. I need to get some value. Leonard Fournette, 35. Elijah Mitchell. I love myself some Elijah Mitchell. No hamstring is going to bring me down. At $17, I feel comfortable with him being my RB2. And then again, we talk about my guys, the guys I absolutely value. Darnell Mooney, Christian Kirk, pass-catching type guys. Jacoby Myers, a little later in the draft. I was willing to pay a little more because, hey, I'm maybe the last Jacoby Myers truther on this planet. Probably not. Guys probably probably we, we, are, we are together the last two. Probably. Exactly. Man, yeah. Targets, targets, targets. I'm not afraid of Devontae Parker there in New yeah. England. I'm Me not. Either. McCorkle loves himself some Jacoby. So Actually, I trust the process here. Give so me Kevin Bourne the- over Devontae Parker, man. Yeah, I take, I take Bourne over Parker too. Yeah. I mean, Parker ha- Parker's never hit 1,000 yards in his career, for crying right. out loud. Why are we thinking he's suddenly going to be a thing? Yeah. I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Not at all. So when we look at this, then the fun part starts happening. I got myself caught in a bidding war for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I love Jalen Hurts, but he was creeping over my $10 limit that I had at the quarterback position. Not my QB1, at the quarterback position. He went for 14 and immediately I was like, oh, no. So the next nomination came up. It was Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow was sitting there at $7, and I did another no-no, and I got into the price enforcing which means bidding players up so that you're getting some value. So I was like, there's no way I should let Joe Burrow go for less than Jalen Hurts. So I put an $8 bid in, and I got him for $8. So now I've spent $21. Don't do the math because I'm not doing the math in my head right now. Over $20 at the quarterback position. I only wanted to allocate $10 to that. So yeah, again, that, that's I had to make it up. Yeah, that's insane. When, oh, when the yeah, draft you, was all said and done, I still Matt, had $6. Matt, and, and you, you can – Look for someone that it's needy at the QB position and maybe made a trade. Probably. I mean, if someone if someone got caught with their pants down, one of like I don't know a combination of Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, they may <laughs> see some value in a Joe Burrow as their quarterback. One now, you, hey, have, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, I'm going to ask you this right now. I'm going to put it out there. Would you rather have Joe Burrow? Or would you rather feel comfortable with a Jameis Winston and or Marcus Mariota as your number one quarterback in a league full of quote unquote losing the term using the term loosely experts? Yeah, yeah, uh, and guys, the guy that has Winston, uh, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, that's me. But, but he's got excellent flex players. Excellent flex players. <laughs> I actually do that. Look at my flexes. I have Allen Robinson, Kirtland Sutton, and who else? I have Gabriel Davis. Well, my, my wide receivers are Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Mike Williams. And my flexes are Kirtland Sutton, Rashad Bateman, and Allen Robinson. If in some way I can sort the QB uh, position or hit up the draft, uh, trade, or eventually something happened in the waiver wire, or if Winston is a QB top 18 week in, week out, I think I have a good 
good advantage to have to, to be in that playoff team. But I, I, I don't I think know. You're, I mean, it's quarterback position for you. That's going to make or break any kind of playoff run yeah. where you currently yeah. are standing. That, that's like, right. I look at yeah. myself right now. I don't know what my starting lineup looks like, but I think my flexes are sitting as uh, James Cook, Jacoby Myers, and Rashad Penny. I think those yeah. are my flex plays right now. And then my bench is absolutely based on youth, based on promise. So I feel comfortable where I'm sitting at. I don't need another flex player. I think I got the depth to cover it. And that's where it comes down to. Do you want to be top heavy or do you want to be balanced throughout your roster? So when we got down to the draft here, we talked about nitty gritty. I said Jacoby Myers was $7. James Cook went for $6. Garrett Wilson, $3. George Pickens, $1. Wondell Robinson, $4. Jamison Williams, $1. The George Pickens $1 is crazy, man, eh? That is absolutely insane. This yeah. guy is – I wouldn't be surprised. And maybe it's a little too soon. I wouldn't be surprised if Pickens is the leading receiver in Pittsburgh this year. I think he could be more fantasy relevant than Deontay Johnson, at least maybe in standard leagues, maybe not PPR. But, I mean, we're watching – Chase Claypool? Chase Claypool went for more money in the auction, and he went for, ahead of him in the snake draft. That is right. not going to happen in the National Football League. I'm no. sorry. George Pickens is the clear cut. Number three in this pecking order behind Deontay Johnson, behind Najee Harris. And I wouldn't be surprised if, as the season goes on, he becomes that guy that he was in Georgia. I remember Greg Cassell talking about him at the, on the Fantasy Points uh, draft magazine that George Pickens was the number one wide receiver in his rankings. If it wasn't for the attitude stuff, the off-field stuff, we'd be looking at George Pickens very differently. And he landed in the perfect situation in Pittsburgh that can deal with this type of stuff. Mike Tomlin, look at what he's been able to handle with Chase Claypool. Could you imagine Chase Claypool anywhere else right now? Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. These are the characters that he's been able to keep in check in Pittsburgh. And you know what? The $10 for a shot penny, Matt, that could pay off big. I just seen that Kenneth Walker is leading. He's having an hernia, and probably he's going to be out for four to six weeks. You look at the last six weeks of the season, there was not a more efficient running back in the yeah. National Football League than Rashad Penny. Not, not Joe Mixon, <laughs> no. not Jonathan Taylor, Rashad Penny. Dude put up like seven or averaged over 100 yards, scored a touchdown in every single game. I mean, you're talking about a guy, if he, the talent has always been there for Penny. That has never, never come in question. All the way back to San Diego State. The guy is talented. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field, and that has been an absolute shame. People, Chris Carson was playing ahead of him because Chris Carson was reliable prior to his neck injury. I mean, a happy retirement to Chris Carson. I wish he was still on the field. Kenneth Walker, if he's going to miss time and Rashad Penny is as efficient as he was last season, we may not see Walker get a whole lot of run in 2022. Right. Walker's still the play moving forward, but in 2022, Penny could be an absolute steal, especially at that price. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I'm liking Rashad Penny a lot more every day that passes. Then then going to, again with my team, you already know who my wide receivers and my flexes are. My running backs is the, my running my first running back is Travis Etienne. He has a huge upside. He could be a top 10 running back this year and love it. I paid 22 for him. Then after going for all my wide receivers, because I was like heavy wide receiver focus draft. And I was like, I'm going to spend 25 max in every wide receiver. And I did it. I paid Gabriel Davis 21, Mike Williams 25, Kirtland Sutton another 25, Rashad Bateman 17. I think that's 
one of the biggest steals of the draft. Allen Robinson, 25. Yeah, I paid 42 for, for Stefan Diggs. But if you compare the 42 for Stefan Diggs with 60 or 69 with Justin Jefferson, man, that was... Even the 46 I paid for A.J. Brown. Yeah. I mean, Stefan Diggs is probably in the same area code as A.J. Brown. He's been more productive in recent years. There's no belief that Stefan Diggs is going to regress in any way, shape, or form. Right. So $42 versus my 46 on A.J. Brown still looks like value. I mean, that may be in the most value bang for your buck pick in the draft. Maybe outside of my TJ Hawkinson for four dollars. Yeah, that that was a good value as well. Yeah, then I I was in need of a of running back too, and they were probably none left but AJ Dillon. And I have to overpay because I I had whatever I was I had left. I, I was thinking like, yeah, probably I can get a decent QB for six and a decent running back for. 10, 11, right? But someone started with A.J. Dillon, passed 12, then 13, and I was like, no, I really need a a second running back. And A.J. Dillon could be a a top 15, top 20 running back. So I want to secure that spot, and I paid the 14th. And that second, I knew that I was stuck with $1 QB. And I was hoping Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones... But those QBs were like nominating just before me, and I got stuck with Jamie Winston and, and and Matt Ryan. Oh, sorry, and Marcus Mariota. Yeah, you know, it was funny because when I finished off the draft with six dollars in my pocket, I walked out. So I missed you drafting Noah Fant, Khalil Herbert, yeah. Jameis Winston, Mariota, <laughs> Moelle Cox, Hassan Haskins, and Chris yeah. Evans. Like I walked out, my last bid was a $1 bid on Jameson Williams that I was willing to go up to $7 just to spend, and no one matched it because guess what? No one had any money. No right. one had any money at the back yeah. end of the draft. So it's like, whoever you nominated, you're going to get. Yeah, and, and I was that that was my thinking, and that I was a little confident that I could snag, like I say, Daniel Jones or uh, even Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford went for $2.00. I think I nominate Matthew Stafford, but I was a bit at two because I don't have any more money left. And like seeing in retrospective, yeah, I have Isaiah Pacheco and yeah, it's right. And he could be the number two in Kansas City. But if I haven't spent that dollar so early in Isaiah Pacheco just to having fun, I would have two dollars to have Matthew Stafford. And if you would have bid two dollars as a starting bid, you would have had him. But I didn't have the money, man. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's all about how right. you save that money. Yeah. Oh yeah, if I, if I had a two dollars, yeah, with that the the dollar the extra dollar without Saya Pacheco, yeah, yeah. You're but that's right. why I love these auction drafts because we stake drafts. There is a certain flow to it. You have a pretty good idea who's going where. I mean, when when you know your position, I mean, unless someone gets a little crazy or has a really strong belief on someone, the draft is going to fall probably the way you anticipated to. Yeah. Auctions, all bets are off. You don't know where someone's going to go because someone might go heavy on the beginning and then find themselves in a situation, much like yourself here, where you're relying on $1 bids as the draft progresses. Whereas someone like me, I, another rule of auction is never leave any money on the table. Well, I left the money on the table. So maybe that's going to bite me a little bit later because maybe that would have allowed me, in hindsight, instead of, um, say, Elijah Mitchell for 17, maybe I can go get a running back for 24. Or maybe I go get a $40 running back instead of $35 Leonard Fournette, right? It all comes down to 
I could have used that money. I could have allocated it a little bit better. So we both did not do good with our budgets. We both didn't time yeah. it up at the end because you ran out and I had more that could have been spent elsewhere. Yeah. These drafts are tough, but, uh, but are really enjoyable. And like, oh. like you say, I, I prefer to be balanced and yeah, we can screw it. Like you left your money with you. I overspending something, but the heavy drafters, man, the, the heavy spenders. Oh man. Like you said earlier, you can be in a very, very bad spot. Yeah. We have a, a team that has Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, And that's it. That's it. They one injury. One injury. Mike Gesecki, Miles Sanders, Derek Carr, Johan Dodson, Joshua Palmer, Van Jefferson, Austin Hooper, Daniel Jones, Kenyon Drake, Randall Cobb, Marquez Callaway, Sammy Watkins, and hmm, Jalen Regor. It's tough, man, to compete with, with this roster. Yeah, you have Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. But in a league that you start three flexes, these three guys – they're not going to produce that much to win every week. But everyone has his strategy and, and his respect. I don't like it, but I respect it. Well, the season's just getting started, so we don't know right? who's right and who's wrong yet. Yeah, yeah, like totally. I, said, I, feel, I feel really com- – I don't love my team, but I feel more than comfortable with what it is. Especially so, Matt, if- Matt, sorry, sorry to, inter- to, to interrupt you. Uh Are you willing to trade Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts? I mean, I'm up for either one of them, man. I think okay. I think I'd be comfortable trading Joe Burrow. And I think if we were to talk about uh, some sort of a trade here, I think we'd be looking at something. Maybe we put this out to uh, Studio Fantasy here and kind of yeah. just get a little pull going on <laughs> on what we do. Because right. I'm thinking if I look at this right, and I'm just spitballing here, so the names can kind of change. But when we look at how this is and how these rosters are essentially constructed. I'm thinking something like a Joe Burrow and a Garrett Wilson for a Jameis Winston and one of those flexes that you kind of talk about, whether that be Bateman, Robinson, or Sutton, somewhere in that ballpark, one of those yeah. guys, whoever your third option is kind of thing when it comes okay. to those guys. Right. I think right. that's kind of a good starting point. I think that's one of those things that do I need a flex guy? Not really. I feel pretty comfortable with what I have at flex. But it also gives me an opportunity to be a little bit deeper on my roster as well. An upgrade at the flex, you get a, you'd get a huge upgrade at the quarterback position. I mean, really, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, they could be viable. But we're talking about leagues that only give you four uh, points per touchdown thrown. And yeah, I don't like see a whole lot of touchdowns thrown. per game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss that trade. And obviously, I'm going to, to uh, put it in that community like a poll and what they, 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 they think about it. Matt, to finish this episode, I want you – we talk about many of your guys this year, but I want like, to focus on five of your must-have players for 2022, like in a rapid fire. Go. You know I don't do rapid fire, but I'll start at the quarterback. I I'll give you a little bit from everywhere yeah. here. First off at the quarterback position, Derek Carr is that guy for me. You look at what he's been able to do the last few seasons. Fifth in passing yards, 4,800 yards. Fifth in completion percentage, 68%. Second in passes greater than 20. Fifth in passes greater than 40. However, his problem last year, couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Well, hello, Devontae Adams, 73 career touchdowns. Yeah, I think Derek Carr is up for a huge year. Derek Carr is the guy that we absolutely love to slap around as far as fantasy, just like Kirk Cousins. When it's all said and done, 
Derek Carr's going to be a top 12 quarterback. He has potential to be a top five fantasy quarterback wow. this season. Hunter nice. Renfro, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams. The last time he had weapons, Michael Crabtree, 2016, Amari Cooper, both over 1,000 yards, seven MVP votes went to Derek Carr that season before he, bad things happened. Number okay. two, running right. back position. Hey, I love value. I'm going to look for value. And that guy we talked about already, one of my guys, I'm making sure he's on my roster, Elijah Mitchell. We know the 49ers are going to run the ball. They ran the ball the fifth most times last year, 30 times, 30.4 times per contest. Look, as a rookie last season, playing in just 12 games, he darn near had 1,000 yards. He was 37 yards shy of that. Throw his receiving yards in. He had 1,100 yards from scrimmage last season. Mitchell's also a top 10 back in both fantasy points per game and yards after contact, which bowls well in this 49ers offense. You get Trey Lance in a RPO, zone scheme type offense, that is going to benefit Elijah Mitchell down the road. At tight end, hey, if you want to play zero tight end and pump that tight end position, I'm a big, big, big Revan Jordan guy. And why wouldn't I be? I love this Houston Texans offense. That's why Brandon Cooks is one of my must-have wide receivers. There's targets everywhere for these Texans, especially when you think of what Davis Mills was able to do last season. He completed in his uh, starts 68% of the passes. If that would have been his season total, that would have been the best rookie completion percentage of all time. However, he played a couple games in cleanup. Drop that percentage down to about 66, which is still pretty darn good. I think it was top three ever. So you look at this. Brandon Cooks, I'm going to mix these guys up because Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, Rashad Bateman, these are all guys I absolutely love as far as this is concerned. Brandon Cooks, 150 targets. Darnell Mooney, 150 targets. Those are definitely easily attainable targets there. Targets equals production. I love it for both of them. And Brevin Knight, like I said, or Brevin Knight, and I'm talking basketball from way back when. <laughs> Brevin Jordan. He's going off as, let me see, let me pull this up real quick. Last time I looked, and it's been a while, like the tight end 30. Yeah. Free. You're getting him for for absolutely free right now. And you look at what he did at the back end of the season there. He's one of those guys during weeks 12 through 16. The 24 or the 21 year old Brevin Jordan hauled in 13 of 18 targets for 112 yards with two of his three touchdowns on the season coming through that stretch of period there. He also gained the trust of the coaching staff as the season went on, and his 9.1 fantasy points per game over that stretch, weeks 12 to 16, that was better than Mike Gusecki, Evan Ingram, and Noah Fant. So as the season went on, Brevin Jordan became more of a focal point in this offense. John Michi, Matt, get better. We're hoping for the best for you as you battle your um, cancer there. But right now, Brandon Cooks, Brevin Jordan, even Nico Collins are going to have huge years for this Texans offense. And, of course, Damian Pierce, make sure to get him. I mean, what the hype yeah. right now, it is real. Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, it doesn't matter. This Texans offense averaged like 3.3 yards per carry last season. Damian Pierce can do it on the run. He can do it in the passing game. And that's why I also love Davis Mills as a quarterback that you're getting as a QB2, QB3, especially in those underdog best balls. And then just kind of round out some other guys. Let's throw out the names, like you said, rapid yeah. fire, because I don't do rapid fire very well. I know, man. Kadarius, Kadarius Tony is a guy that if I can believe him staying healthy, I absolutely love, except I can't trust him to stay healthy. I think he's the kind of guy that could average more fantasy points per game than a guy like A.J. Brown. That's a point-per-game basis. I just don't think he's going to play all 16, 17, 18 type games. Right. Jacoby Myers, he's on the list. Saquon Barkley is a guy on my list. And, of course, the rookies, Wandell Robinson and George Pickens. There you go. All the must-have players of Matt Donnelly. Matt, it was amazing to have you here in the Stadio Fantasy Podcast. I really enjoy it. Like I said, I really miss you. 
and I've seen like what's been thirty six hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but hopefully we can see each other next year. Where can can everyone uh, follow you and see whatever you work are are doing then? Well, of course, you can catch me over at DynastyVipers.com. That's where a lot of my um, writing kind of comes out of there. My rankings, which uh, apparently finished number five as far as accuracy is concerned, according yeah. to Fantasy Pros. So that's over there. The rankings are over there. And, hey, it's free. I mean, what's better than free? Anything free has been is worth saving up for, right? Of course, Vipers Network on the YouTube channel. Kind of hit that in the search bar there. You will get videos on my 32 teams in basically 32 days. I break down the top five fantasy assets for each and every team in seven minute videos. Catch me on the Twitter thread there at Matt Donnelly FF. You'll find that thread with every single team listed as I drop them in there. Training camp videos. And of course the Vipers network is home to the Viper cast with major Caldwell, Tara Roberts, two rising stars in this industry that you don't want to miss out on. Yeah. Perfect. Amazing, man. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, Hopefully we can do another podcast soon, man. Absolutely. And Hey, Buenos noches. <laughs> say that right? Yeah, you, you yeah. rocked it. Yeah, you said it perfectly. Bueno, pues ahí escucharon ya a Matt Donnelly. Yo soy Mauricio Gutiérrez y esto fue el Estadio Fantasy Podcast. 